don't have money. So you see a lot of, you know, lower in, and that's really a class issue and, and race does come into play. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. And good morning. Welcome to Let Your Voice Be Heard. Coltrane. Right Coltrane, Coltrane. Coltrane. On WH. Coffee in the morning. CR. Thank oh. you, Stanley, for those um, vocal cords. Selena is interrupting me from singing. Guys, I am a horse, which you means are. my voice is even better. <laughs> Coffee in the morning. It's actually worse, Stanley. You it's know what's worse? Your face. Anyway. Burn. Anyway, welcome, guys. We are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Um, we weren't here last week. We had a repeat show, but I'm so happy that we have another live show. And we have a live guest in the studio with us. Chad McDonald, he's he was glaring at me a little bit. I was like, let me just <laughs> introduce him now. You. You don't take it personal. I glare at everyone. Oh, okay. Well, uh, guys, if you if you uh, remember, we had Chad here on the show back in September, and I think it was um I think it was September. We talked about gun violence. So guess what we're talking about today? Oh, you mean that Sunday where you guys told me I wasn't allowed to come here because you hated me? I think it was the Sunday you were on a bike tour, Stanley. I oh, think that's, yeah, that's what happened. What it was, yeah. <laughs> We had you, Chad. You were here in effigy, though. Yes, there we go. They had, they had like, the straw you here. <laughs> Selena was probably they stabbing were, it. I know, right? <laughs> but a pin. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Selena, that's my name. Uh, my name <laughs> is Selena Hill. And, you know, because, you know, sometimes we forget to introduce ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if I don't do it now, I'm going to forget. So yeah. my name is Selena Hill. And on Twitter and Instagram, it's Miss Selena Hill, spelled with an MS. And on Snapchat, it's s.hill2020. And I'm thinking about getting a Periscope, FYI. I'll let you Why? guys know. Why not? I feel like, you know what? I feel like it's like your own personal individual reality show. Because you're you always like on. No, Snapchat has breaks. Periscope never stops. So you're literally, like, wherever you're doing, the camera is always following you. So what if you forgot to turn it off and then, like, you were in the bathroom and farted really loudly? That's it. Hey, it's Periscope. That's not, okay. It's Periscope. I will be blocking her on Periscope. <laughs> right? That's my first. Get a Periscope account. Step two, block Selena on Periscope. <laughs> is that how it goes, Stanley? Yes, yes, yes. And in case you are wondering who this is on the air right now with this sensual voice that goes in and out of base, it is Stanley Fritz. And I am good looking. I smell like roses. And you can follow me on Instagram at DarkSkinSwindle or on Twitter at Stan Fritz or on Snapchat at DarkSkinSwindle. And if you are on Snapchat and you follow me already, you have seen all of my snaps from Friday night and then Saturday night and possibly this morning no just kidding not this morning but if you're on selena snaps yeah you I have snap. seen me give her the finger about three times yeah in the last six minutes because that's how i roll Ugh, whatever stanley chad can you please formally introduce yourself to our listeners just in case they don't remember or they didn't listen back in september <laughs> my name is chad r mcdonald i have to use my middle initial r to separate myself from another chad mcdonald in texas who hates him some immigrants <laughs> 
So that's it's, ironic. Oh, uh, you know, it's t- yeah, because I am an immigrant, so that's <laughs> that's extra fun. Uh, I mean, everyone has people out there that share their name, but uh, I was uh, a little alarmed to discover that when I started releasing articles that there was another Chad Chad McDonald out there that. <laughs> Released, well, he's basically the anti-Chad. I have an evil twin out there. You know how Superman has a Bizarro? Uh, well, there he is. There's Bizarro Chad out there. And, uh, <laughs> as a result, that's why I always introduce myself as Chad R. R. Do not yeah. forget the R. An interesting fact, Chad. Oh, I'm sorry. Chad is also an activist for New Yorkers Against Gun Violence, mm-hmm. and he's the editor and columnist for QuietMike.org, where he specializes in writing about gun violence prevention yes i also have an, an evil arch rival twin but he's black and <laughs> he loves Barack obama what do you and mean we, but he's black well because my my evil um opposite is a black guy and what are you i'm salmon <laughs> selena you'll see my shirt racist whatever all right guys so um let's just give a rundown of what we'll be talking about today and right. fyi Alyssa is on her way Alyssa Fuchs, again, our legal correspondent and our favorite lawyer. She got into a fight with a cop. Probably. <laughs> we don't know what happened to Alyssa, but she's on our way. She'd be getting beating up, beat up and be yelling like legal stuff at the person. Like, oh, yeah, definitely. Like, sue because of this? Yep. <laughs> no, I can imagine Alyssa in a fight. I went out to a Rangers game with Alyssa and I feel very bad for whoever would pick a fight with her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and mind you, she's like 4'11". I'm, I'm six two and a half, and uh, I use her as protection. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah. Alyssa's feisty. Yeah. She's yeah, feisty. That is not the word. Yeah. She is a freaking boss. Yeah. She will yes. punch you in the air. Yeah, <laughs> in the air mm-hmm. with her words and fist and legal- yeah. legality. You're the perfect person to go to the game with. I gotta tell you, <laughs> Alyssa. All right, so we're gonna start the show talking about thoughts, prayers, and in action. Everyone across the country is talking about that latest mass shooting in San Bernardino, and we're gonna talk about gun violence. How our elected officials are responding to that, the ones on payroll who are supposed to be protecting us and making legislation that will prevent things like, you know, innocent people dying every other week or every other month. We're going to talk about what they're actually doing on this issue of gun violence. And we're going to talk about some real solutions. I mean, Chad is an activist. He's a writer and he's a normal person. And he is doing a lot on this issue, which is inspirational because we can all do a lot of things. Oh, the camera. Yes, Stanley, can you flip that camera on me? (laughs) I forgot. See, Alyssa is the person that adjusts the cameras for us and she's not here. And I just like didn't even do it right. Yes, it's it's better now. Thank you, Stanley. I actually want to put it on Chad. So how do I do that? Turn it the other way. <laughs> okay, I'm afraid I'm going to break things. This is why Alyssa and Alyssa do it. Because you if you break it, you buy it. Move around the <sighs> other side of the table. <laughs> oh, Alyssa. Please. Once Alyssa gets here, we'll be uh, good with the cameras. And then later on in the show, we have a special guest coming on to talk about the corruption in Chicago. I mean, if you're not fixated on what's going on in San Bernardino right now, you probably are focused on Laquan McDonald, uh, who was shot down, gunned down by police in Chicago yeah. a few weeks ago, a few days before my birthday. It in was November. extremely like th- it, oh, they goodness. killed the crowd. I mean, if you can, no, even it was say straight that. up murder. Oh yeah, it, it was. And the thing is, so um, the Chicago officials just released some of um, some documents saying that police had first said that uh, McDonald 
lunged at them. They said that he was like aggressively like holding his knife. They lied. They lied, they lied basically. And um, it's all coming to surface now. Yeah. We know that Ray. Um, we know that the chief of police has stepped down. He has resigned, and now people are calling for Mayor Rahm Emanuel to step down. That's There's right. a lot of corruption in Chicago, and we're going to talk about that. Rahm should step down. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Everyone is calling for his head. Um, all right, guys. So, and then later on in the show, Alyssa will be here talking about how the anti-abortion rhetoric is and could have probably incited that Planned Parenthood shooting that we had a few weeks ago. I mean, it's just out of control. And Alyssa's here. It is out of control. It is out of That's what she says in the mic that was off. All right. So, again, we have a great show lined up. We're going to start off talking about thoughts, prayers, and gun and the gun debate and inaction. Then we're going to talk about Chicago corruption. Last but not least, we'll be talking about Planned Parenthood and that shooting, that awful shooting that happened a few weeks ago. So don't go anywhere. And, again, if you want to let your voice be heard, you can call us up at 212-650-6903. Tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. We'll be right back. After this quick break, I try to make a next month sooner, man. Fucking shredded shit up. Yeah, 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 I've been doing radio since the first grade. <laughs> what up, guys? Let your voice be heard. Radio, hard body, hard lyrics. Tweeting the MTK because we want to get home or to the show. Easy. And we are back. Welcome, guys, to Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR. 90.3 FM. The voice of Harlem. Hey, Alyssa. Hey, guys. You made it. You made, I made it. it. I made it. You made the, it. The bus was awful. Yeah. Sure. If, I could, if the people of New York City could fire the MTA... That would be awesome. Unfortunately, well, that would leave us with no other way to get around. I would hire the dollar van drivers in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. They drive really fast. We'd get into a lot more accidents, There's but no they'd always van. be on time. Six, oh, six. On the side. You would take yeah. her. You would take her. I got to tell, I, I tell you, I understand your frustration, and the MTA has, uh, has messed with me, too. But after 10 years in Toronto, I very rarely complain about New York's mm-hmm. transit system. Hold on. There's something worse than MTA? Oh, we're the best. Toronto has streetcars. Oh. In the middle of downtown traffic. Wow. Oh, Running through that. the six in a streetcar. I couldn't I don't yeah. think I could do that. <laughs> That's almost as, as absurd as our gun laws. Yeah, it's it's yeah, no, it's almost not quite, but it's <laughs> Well, speaking of things that are absurd, great Actually, segue right shirt? there. Oh. My shirt, you know what, Stanley, don't even do that. It's <laughs> multicolored did. and I really like it. It looks like a Crayola box threw up on you. <laughs> You need to stop, all right? You're not going to throw me off. Because I'm better dressed today. No, you know, you know you're not. Just because I give Stanley a little compliment. Oh, I like your button up. I like your slacks. Salmon Look at him. button up. Stanley looks like Steve Urkel today. Ooh, mm, see? I'm not going to take this. I'm turning my mic off. <laughs> you should turn your mic off. Speaking of um, things that we, I just wish we could turn off, um, gun violence. So mm-hmm. as we know, just this past week, 14 people were killed, 21 were left wounded after a married Islamic extremist couple opened fire at the Inland Regional Center in San Bernardino, California, doing, during a Christmas party. Shortly thereafter, I mean, um, a number of people started tweeting their quote and quote unquote 
thoughts and prayers at for the victims mm-hmm. of the families, um, the survivors, and you know the people that that lost a loved one during this hor- horrible shooting. But what I wanted to focus on is why that hashtag thoughts and prayers has been causing so much controversy because i mean it just caused so much backlash if you are in new york city you may have sore or, or probably even i mean no matter where you were i mean there was this new york daily news cover that just went viral um because they called out all of these elected officials particularly gop candidates and republicans in our congress for tweeting out thoughts and prayers for the victims but not taking any action so what the new york daily new york daily news did and put out this um, front page and they said, God isn't fixing this on right on their um, headline. And then underneath the headline, they stated as uh, the latest batch of innocent Americans are left lying in pools of blood. Cowards who could truly end gun scourge continue to hide behind meaningless platoons. And I mean, that was pretty profound. It was very provocative. And then it also led to a lot of backlash of people saying, well, why are you saying that it's wrong to pray? Why are you saying that this, you know, you know what this is leading to prayer shaming? So I wanted to open up this panel discussion to, you know, to you guys and also you guys at home. If you're happening to be listening, uh, you can call us up at 212-650-6903. You can also tweet us at Be Heard. heard underscore radio and um and and answer this question of you know what was your reaction to um you know the the latest shooting and why are people getting so frustrated with elected officials praying for gun violent victims and um you know did the backlash actually equate to press shaming so i'm gonna throw that at chad first he is again our special guest in studio with us and he writes about these issues particularly with a focus on gun violence prevention chad what was your i mean you're on twitter i think you manage like three or four accounts yeah (laughs) so you saw that hashtag what were you tweeting uh well um to answer that question, I made a tweet uh, a couple months ago, and it said, prayers aren't working, more guns aren't working, the NRA way of life is not working. And I threw up a couple hashtags, gun sense, gun control, what, what have you. It's my- that blew up the, that day, like, and that tweet was made months ago. I just had it pinned to the top of my account, and all of a sudden it exploded. It went out another 200, 300 times. And then the next day was the New York Daily News uh, headline that you're talking about. And just as an aside, as a GVP advocate, gun violence prevention advocate, I never expected to find an ally in the New York Daily News. Never once expected that. But they have just come out swinging against the NRA lately, and it's it's given a lot of people hope. But as to your question, why is this happening? Why are people angry about mm-hmm. thoughts and prayers? Yes. Because, I mean, what were we talking about the last time I was here? The challenge for me today is to make this show different than from what I said the last time. When I was here the last time, it was just after the two journalists were shot in Virginia, I think. Here we are again. And that time, um, I was talking about how perhaps this will be the thing that change, that changes things. And since then, there's been Umpqua, uh, there's been the uh, the Planned Parent, two shootings in Colorado yeah, Springs. Yeah, I will address that um, later on in the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just keeps going and keeps going. And after every incident, uh, we've had a mass shooting 
We have had more mass shootings this year in America yeah. than days of the year. Without. That is absolutely true. Uh, Alyssa, I want to get your thoughts on, on thoughts and prayers. I'm sorry. Yeah, the San Bernardino shooting that got all the attention overshadowed another shooting in Savannah, Georgia, where a woman was killed and three more were injured, uh, which nobody heard about. Normally, that would have maybe led the news. And I, I don't know. The body I count actually wasn't believe that there was also a, a shooting in Texas at the That's same right. time, if I'm not mistaken. So there was actually not, three yeah. shootings wow. going on, in, if you include the San Bernardino shooting, which would make it two other shootings going on at the same time that San Bernardino was going on. So... That's that's three shootings happening all at the same time. But to address Selena's question about the thoughts and prayers, I don't think it's prayer shaming. It's it's pointing out, you know, people can give their thoughts and prayers, and that's fine. Um, and especially if you're a civilian, that's you know fine. If you also want to say I I have my thoughts and prayers, but I think the direction of what people are so angry about is the people who are giving their thoughts and prayers are the elected officials that have the ability to mm-hmm. pass laws mm-hmm. to fix these things. Mm-hmm. Exactly but they're right. in the pocket of the NRA. They take a ton. Of money from the NRA. They're not going to vote against their own interests and their own interests. I mean, the money that fuels their re-election campaigns. And so that's why they have nothing to offer but thoughts and prayers, mm. because if they offer anything more, that's they're going to watch the money flow right out of their pockets. Yeah, the journalist Igor Kolsky made a huge splash on Twitter and appeared on Rachel Maddow, I think, the next mm. night. And what he did was he went under every Republican and a couple Democrats that were offering their thoughts and prayers. Mm. And what he did was he just tweeted right underneath them what the NRA had had contributed to their campaign. I saw that. Um, And that is your answer. That is why people are angry. And going back to what I said earlier, you know, the gun violence violence archive constitutes a mass shooting as four people shot, excluding the shooter, regardless of death. so most mass shootings we don't hear about, just the high-profile ones. But even then, when, you, when, we, when, we, when we're dealing with all these high-profile shootings, we're getting thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, mm. thoughts and prayers, thoughts and right. prayers, thoughts and prayers. And what happens? Not only do they not do anything, they actually make it worse. Because they're worthless. Mm. The day after the San Bernardino shootings, uh, the bill came up to prevent people on the no-fly list, on the suspected terrorist list. Um, they can legally buy guns thanks to the NRA. Right. Um, and so that came up to vote. And the same Republicans who were screaming about terror attacks and how we've this is all the fault. Like, look at the New York Post uh, headline the same day as the, New, as the Daily News. When the Daily News was saying God can't fix this. New York Post was saying Muslim killers. Right. We, we're definitely going to address that yeah. in more detail. So, so um, but what I'm saying is, is that. The day after they were selling this as the, the ISIS terrorist attack, which it may have been, they voted to let suspected terrorists keep buying guns. I mean, it, it, no, no, it's, it, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous that someone on the terrorist yeah. list can will not be permitted to fly on an airplane, but they can buy a gun legally. And I, I know we have a caller on the line who I want to get to. Um, Stanley, thoughts on thoughts and prayers? Well, it's worthless. Yes. It's just like it's like when somebody has some bad news and you don't know what to do, so you go, damn, you'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, it's, it's no, it's totally useless. And with respect to your religion, Selena, and other people who are religious, prayers, that's fine. You want to pray. But when you can actually do something and you offer to pray, shut the hell up. If there's a, hurric- if there's a hurricane that kills a bunch of people and depletes a town and they need food and you say I'm going to pray for you I'm going to tell you to keep your prayers to yourself and send a box yeah. of food well this I wouldn't useless. I wouldn't necessarily take that approach because the thing is if somebody does offer to pray for me and keep me in their thoughts um, and, and send me 
well wishes. That that's fine, I and, I, and, like, and that's not filling but, your stomach. But in the, yeah. no, but I'm thing. saying that. But I'm saying that to take it a, fur, a, a step further. If you have something in your power to do, then you should do that. But I wouldn't stop. But I wouldn't necessarily tell anyone. Everybody, I don't has, want your prayer. Everybody has something in their power to do, and that's to reach out to the legislatures and say, stop praying and start legislating. Yeah, and you're missing the context, Lena. I'm not talking about people in general. I'm talking about these elected officials who can actually do something mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, I'm going to pray for you. No, keep your prayers to yourself. Keep your pontifications to yourself and sign a damn bill. Do something. Okay, well, well they you're they talking about elected officials. But they're doing the wrong yeah, thing. Like, they're pray- the they're not praying. They're tweeting prayers and they're, they're propping right. up a God that they don't even worship properly and I'm not interested in it. Right, and, and, well and you know what? I think that it also sort of hurts people who have who sincerely pray, right? Yes. People who are devote, devout Christians or Muslims or practice Judaism and they, you know, they, they, they do pray and they do try to take actions um, but then you just have people who just tweet and just throw these things up and it just, it takes away from the sincerity of it. Um, I know that we do have a special guest on the line. We have Colette Martin who Colette has also King. been a guest here on Let Your Voice Be Heard and she is also an activist, a mom and, you know, just a, a local resident here in New York City that has decided to take action on gun violent prevention. Um, um, Colette, so, you know, we opened up this conversation talking about thoughts and prayers and just the frustration that so many people are feeling when elected officials, you know, their immediate response is to, um, you know, tweet out a thought and a prayer for a victim, but then they do not do anything when it comes right. to passing legislation. What was, what is your reaction to that? So, you know, I'm going to step out of my, my gun violence prevention activist role for a moment and just answer it from sort of this, um, as a religious person, right? I'm a Catholic by tradition. My son is in Catholic school. I try to uphold, you know, the teachings of my religion very badly most of the time, but I can answer it from this, you know, perspective in that um, what I resent about those tweets and those posts on Facebook by these legislators who are just intractable in their position is that it's a fig leaf, and I think that's pretty obvious. You know, they're using it as because they have to say something this is what they say, because it's it's a way of saying, I'm making it clear that I'm not going to do anything about this problem, but thoughts and prayers, blah, blah, blah. And it just, it reeks of disingenuity, you know? No, um, you're, mm-hmm. Because as a person, you know, from a faith background, the whole point of prayer, when we understand it from the biblical and the theological perspective, the whole point of prayer is action. It's not a means in and of itself. We were taught how to pray. In my religion, that comes from the Lord's Prayer. He taught us how to pray. We are asking, Thy will be done. It is an exercise in humility to sincerely pray. It is putting yourself at the service of the God that you believe in, asking that your actions that flow from this event or this problem be guided by His grace and His perfect wisdom, not our human, fallible motives. So, if that answers the question. But that, I, I can honestly say that that is the part of it that I resent the most, because the whole point of prayer is action. Thank you so much for saying that, Colette. I feel like the, these thoughts and prayers coming from these elected officials is about as useful as letters to Santa Claus. They're, they're, yes. not, like, they're not real. And I know people who they pray and they move forward because God says you take one step, he'll take two towards you. You don't just pray and put your head down and walk away from the problem. You actually have to do something. I agree. And I mean, I think that, you know, um, 
progressives and liberals of religious faith, and, and we are out there, we need to get really loud and really angry about it, because I, I resent so much this co-opting of my religion and my faith to be twisted the way it has been. And, uh, and I think we're just going to see more of that, unfortunately, and I think that we should be armed and ready every time another horrible massacre plays out in this country to challenge them on that. Right. I agree um, with that, Colette. And thank you again so much for calling in. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. And, and the thing is, another thing that is extremely frustrating is the fact that Congress is fixated on repealing Obamacare and defunding Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. I mean, just within the week of this, of two uh, mass shootings, they took action to do both of these, you know, they took action to repeal Obamacare and to defund Planned Parenthood. And it's like, what is going on? How perverse is that? They're actively making things worse Mm. Um, not only not only with Obamacare with uh, defunding Planned Parenthood everything they're trying to do they voted against uh, Mansion Toomey uh, universal background checks they uh, solidified uh, the guns to terrorists and all they're doing is thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers but all you have to do is look who's paying them right who's who's in their pockets that's where it comes from and prayer shaming is an unfortunate consequence, a side consequence of that, side effect of that. So you would call that prayer shaming? Uh, I personally would not. Um, like, uh, as Stanley said, legitimate prayer is always useful. But uh, there was a, my thought is that God is supposed to have given us all free will. And so why would we pray to change anything uh, if... The onus is upon us to us to do that. And why would we listen at all to people saying thoughts and prayers who are not only actively not doing anything, but making things worse? Right. Um, I, I know we got to go to break, but I yeah. just want to say this last thing. When the Mets were in the playoffs, I used to tweet "Little Be the Base God." He's a rapper, and like he he jokes around that like he can grant wishes. So I'd say, "Hey, Base God, please let the Mets beat this team." You know how useful that was? Not very much because they got they lost four one to the Royals in the World Series because he cannot do anything. Obviously, that's what these people are doing. We cannot make this acceptable. You can't call this prayer shaming because then you give them cover. You have to call them out, pull them out to the carpet, and give them a very hard time. You know mm-hmm. what? People should be. Pr- Praying that the legislature could get something done and they should pray in the direction of the legislators, like tweeting at them saying, hey, I, I think and pray for the victims, too. But I also pray that you'll actually do your job <laughs> and pass some legislation. <laughs> That's my prayer, Alyssa. Um, on that note, we're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We are going to continue the discussion about the national gun debate in our country right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Oh, baby, I'm yours. Oh, baby, I'm and we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR. 90.3 FM. The, the voice. voice of Harlem, Harlem, Thank Harlem, you Harlem. for that, uh, My Stanley. hoarse voice really helps me get that accent out no, just No, I think right. it sounds worse. I think you are a hater, <laughs> No, No, seriously, Stanley. It's like, what? <laughs> you want to hear a poem? No, I really don't. Roses are red. Hey, I have a poem. Happiness is a warm gun. <laughs> what? <laughs> you never heard that before? That's a, really, that's a poem? It's a joke. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh no! It comes no, to actually a music lyric, and that's kind of leading me into like the perversity of the way we look at guns in this country. Yeah, people like love their guns; they sleep with their guns. It's yes. you know, and I I shoot guns, but yeah. that's uh, I'm not dude shooting guns love is fun. To my gun, drink some beer, shoot at some trees. 
And well, don't no, do no, that. No, it's sexy as hell. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I've I've fired a lot of guns uh, in in my life. Uh, everything from handguns to shotguns to rifles. Uh, rifles, yeah. Uh, uh, I was involved in cadets as a younger man and fired the Belgian FNs. Those are beautiful. Yes, um, and I can see the appeal. Uh, to the no. gun culture. Mm. But what you have is you've got people that take it way too far. I admit yeah. a lot of Facebook pages and some of the comments these guys make are just off the charts insane. No, no, you're you're absolutely right, Chad. And again, um, we're back here on Let Your Voice Be Heard and we're talking about the mass shooting that just happened in San Bernardino in California. And, you, you know, it's just ridiculous about how our elected officials continue to act and just they will not take any action on this issue. And even President Obama came out saying that, you know, if we did pass comprehensive gun um, legislation, it wouldn't necessarily stop every mass shooting, but it would greatly increase the chances mm -hmm. that this wouldn't happen as easily or as much. And I'm in favor of that. I'm in favor of doing anything we possibly can when it comes to a legislative um, com when it comes to legislative measures to stop innocent people from dying. And um, before we went on break, our special guest who uh, who is here, Chad R. McDonald, um, he was talking about how just one day after the attack in California, Senate Republicans voted against a bill that would have prevented suspected terrorists, felons, and the mentally ill from getting guns. Now, this bill would have required suspected terrorists seeking a gun to undergo a background check, something that makes sense, something that the majority of Americans want. However, Republicans echoed NRA arguments that doing so would somehow strip innocent people of their constitutional right to guns as if people's constitutional right to live is less important. Exactly. So, um, and I also, you know, I also came across this study from the Government Accountability Office that found that suspected terrorists brought firearms and explosives from licensed dealers 1,300 times between 2004 and 2014 and in 90% of those cases potential terrorists passed a background check allowing them to legally purchase a gun so again something that makes sense our legislators our elected officials especially the democrats were like let's stop this Yes. And Republicans are like, oh, we're tweeting out our thoughts and prayers, but we should continue this. Yeah. I mean, that's just it. I mean, it's not it's not even as I keep saying, it's not even that they're not taking action. They are taking action, but they're taking it the wrong way. Um, they are not they are not only not doing anything to stop the problem. They're helping make it worse. And they're doing that every day. I have a very plausible solution to get some real gun legislation on the ground. And I want you guys to hear me out. So, for every black man who is listening to the show right now and who I am friends with, we should all go get gun licenses right now <laughs> and then go purchase guns. I guarantee you there will be gun legislation within a week. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because that's sort of what pushed actually Ronald Reagan, the conservative mm -hmm. hero, mm -hmm. um, Ronald Reagan, in uh, in the 80s when he was the governor of California, um, there was a black push Panthers. for gun laws, uh, stricter gun laws, and that's because Black Panthers were going out and they were buying firearms. And so it's interesting that you mention that. Um, that also leads into sort of a side conversation about you know whether black people have a Second Amendment right, which I don't want to digress into. It's a very interesting conversation that we can definitely have at a, at a later time or off the air. Or even if you want to have that conversation on our blog or on our website, definitely Facebook.com slash Be Heard. Radio, right, um, but right. Um, um, but 
before we um, just move on, I also wanted to mention there was this report in Think Progress that showed that a radical Islamic terrorist leader, actually leaders, plural, Mm -hmm. multiple, Mm -hmm. have been urging um, people that sympathize with ISIS and terrorism to purchase their guns in America because of our lax laws. I mean, but the thing is... This is ridiculous, right? But then you have people on the other side who say, well, California has some of the most strictest gun laws in our country, and that didn't prevent a terrorist attack. What do you say to that, Chad? Well, there's all kinds of things wrong with that. I mean, you cannot have... A friend of mine named Leah, Leah Gunbarrett has an analogy that I, I borrow all the time. And it's like, imagine you have an apartment building that's infested with cockroaches. It does not matter how many times you clean your apartment, the cockroaches are always going to come back, especially if the guy next door to you is just letting them breed. That's what's happening in California. They're right next door to Nevada. Nevada, nobody cares. That's a lot of the problem with Chicago. They're right next to Indiana. They can just drive out of Chicago 20 minutes, go to a gun show, go to a gun store, get what they want, come right back. Um, strong. The, the reason New York is relatively uh, well off when it comes to gun laws is because the entire surrounding area shares those same gun laws. That's why when you have guns uh, that are used, uh, illegal guns that are used in, in New York, like, for example, the one, the the firearm that killed the policeman earlier this year, that came from a Georgia gun shop. Mm-hmm. all my lines. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that um, without the universal background checks, without something that's um, across the board uh, reasonable and, and safe throughout the whole nation, you're always going to have these problems. That's a lot of the reason why it's so hard to get anything done with gun violence prevention because the problem is many faceted and the sol- there are more than one solutions. Uh, there's more than one solution. There's all kinds of different things you have to implement. And meanwhile, uh, those of uh, uh, those who are in the gun culture, who follow the teachings of the NRA, they're just marching lockstep. In, you know, in a way, I'm kind of happy that, like, this law is not being able to get signed. Because if, if, they, if they were able to get, like, buy-in to get this bill signed and passed right now, they would do what most politicians do. They'd sign a bill, and they'd be like, problem solved, it's over. Mm-hmm. And then and it's not. It's just, a, it's just, like, one reaction. It's one effect from, like, something bad to happen. One reaction that doesn't really address the whole issue, like you mentioned. Yeah. So, in a way... As much as I hate to say this, this is a good thing because it forces them to look at the entire problem because the problem keeps coming back up. We have a caller on the line. We have Will who would like to let his voice be heard on this issue, particularly the gun bill from what I understand. Will, you have about 30 seconds. Um, Did you have a question or comment? Yeah, I did have a comment. Great show, guys. You guys are doing a wonderful job. I just wanted to chime in when you mentioned about the bill that was put before Congress uh, about the bill for the no-fly people and the felons, and uh, maybe people should really zoom in on that. But anyway, in that bill that was brought up, not only did the GOP vote against it, Peter King from Long Island was the one that sponsored the bill, and he voted against his own bill. You know, talk about perversity. Yeah, no, I mean, it, yeah, absolutely. I actually spoke about that at length um, two, week, two weeks ago and about how Peter King, um, but I didn't know that he voted against the bill now, so I thank you, Will, for uh, letting us know, and I actually would love to look into that uh, once we get off the air, and yeah, um, you know, maybe we could uh, put something up if we can find out why, in fact, he voted against his own bill, because that is uh, curious. But it's to me, it's bothersome, because the, it seems like the focus so much in the San Bernardino has been on the terrorism aspect and about whether 
to define this as terrorism mm-hmm. and and what is terrorism and you know were these disgruntled employees you know apparently they're saying you know she may have uh, sympathized with ISIS but I think when we start talking about terrorism we lose really the focus of what this conversation should be which is about guns right not right. about terrorism and I think that goes back to Selena's point where when we have terrorist groups overseas telling American citizens who may sympathize with them you know go out and buy a gun in your own country because it's so easy to get there that's really should be the focus of the problem I know you wanted to address that and then I'll uh, keep yeah. going with what the next comment I was going to make well Selena is exactly right I mean terrorist leaders are calling for their sympathizers to just pick up guns wherever they want um, in in the states and you can do that because of our lax gun laws if you're in California and you can't buy the gun go next door to Nevada if you're in New York and you can't buy a gun a little harder you got to drive down to Georgia or West Virginia but once you're in those states all you have to do is find a gun show and somebody in a parking lot will sell you an AR-15 I don't really even think it's that difficult um, you I can mean, buy a video you can see video of this on YouTube I mean I think I think it's great you already addressed the point that I was going to make about you know if you have gun laws in one state that are very strict, but you have very loose gun laws in other states that are not. It makes mm-hmm. it very easy um, to, for to the guns to, to slow. I mean, the I-95, which is the road that runs from Florida all the way up to New York, is known as the Iron Pipeline. Mm-hmm. It's known as the Iron Pipeline because if the amount of guns that are sold legally in the southern states that are then transported illegally through state lines and end up up in New York. In fact, as you mentioned, the gun that killed those two police officers was actually sold at a gun store. It was actually a bait store. In a gun and tackle. They sold guns store. on the side um, and they got in with a crowbar the size of like a foot or a foot or two long. Just Jimmy the door took it and that was it. So you can have, if people say, oh, we have so many gun laws on the books. Why do we need more laws, more laws, more laws? It's not about more laws, right? It's it, We can have thousands of gun laws on the books when they have huge gaping loopholes mm-hmm, in them. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter how many we have. The idea isn't necessarily that we need more laws. It's that we need to fix the laws that we have and make them better to close these giant loopholes that we have. I just want to give you some quick statistics. In Germany and the Netherlands and Austria, um, your chances of getting killed by a gun by shooting is about two in one million people. In Poland and in England, your chances of being killed by gun violence is about one in one million. In Japan, it's one in 10 million. In the United States, it's 31 in every one million. So two to one million, one to one million, and then here in the U.S. it's thirty-one to every one million. That number. My country. Yeah, I mean, you are literally potentially at risk to be shot when you go to the supermarket, when you go to the movies, when mm-hmm. you go to the mall. You, there's nowhere in this country where you when are safe from potentially being shot, and not even in a southern state where they say, oh, well, somebody's around with a gun. Guess what? That shooting that happened at the movie theater in Trainwreck, people who were there had concealed carry yes. permits, and they had weapons on them, and nobody stopped that guy when he walked into the movie. So no good Louisiana, guy with a gun Texas. was there to prevent that shooting in a state that has one of the most lax gun laws on the books. That is crap and it's a crap argument and Alyssa mentioned like these gun laws have gaping holes in them let me tell you about one of those gaping holes so they were talking about how in California um, assault rifles are um, legal but then they mentioned that what NRA usually does is like they'll just change their name and like maybe like a little bit of the branding of the gun mm-hmm. and it does this, it has the same functions mm-hmm. but they just like make some, some minor adjustments like they might maybe like put a star on the side of it or give it like a smiley face or whatever it is and then they'll be like oh this is not an assault rifle anymore those are kind of holes. The, the favorite argument that uh, the gun lobbies and, and members of the gun culture use is that criminals don't follow laws. Well, there are two answers to that. Actually, there's more than two answers to that, but I'll just give you two for yeah, now. Yeah, let's just take off the first of all, yeah, First of all, most high-profile mass shooters, uh, uh, 
don't have a, pri- a previous criminal record. They have a gun, but they were never a criminal before. Your most common mass shooter is a white guy offing his family, and it happens almost every day. Uh, those are the ones that we don't hear about. The other answer I have for that comes from uh, two friends of mine, writers, Devin Hughes and Ellen DeFilippis. They uh, run a site called Armed with Reason, and they write for The Trace. And they've done exhaustive studies um, on, on how gun laws work and how they're undermined. And what they've discovered is that it's not that criminals don't follow laws. It's that criminals are more likely to circumvent laws that are weakly enforced. Yeah. And that's why you have all these shootings in areas, that, as, as uh, Alyssa was saying, you know, 31 in a million Americans have a chance of getting shot, but that's mostly, as she said, going to happen in a red state. It's mm-hmm. going to happen where everybody has guns. You're going to be just in a Texas in a roadside bar, and all of a sudden a biker gang is going to start a shootout in the parking lot. Yeah. Uh, you're going to go to a movie theater in Louisiana, and you're going to have somebody shooting. You're going to be in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and someone's going to open up on, on, on a recruiting center in a strip mall. Everybody around there has guns. Colorado Springs, two mass shootings in the past month. It's in open carry where they were. It was all open carry. So the other thing that, that bugs me is they all say, oh, when seconds count, the, min, the, the police are minutes away. Everybody in Colorado Springs should have been firing at everyone and the, the guy in Planned Parenthood and the previous dude uh, that was shooting up people in Halloween. And two Iraq war veterans have been killed in Colorado Springs uh, in the last two shootings. They both survived tours in Iraq and both of them died in Colorado Springs. I actually heard of that come out and say he felt safer in Iraq than yeah. he does here mm. in America, it's which is a pretty crazy. sad state of affairs. But I just wanted to make a final comment, which is, uh, at least with respect to people that are quote-unquote law-abiding gun owners, right? They make a purchase legally. They're not a prior felon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have a mental illness that would prevent them from buying a gun. Um, my line on that is, you know, all those people are law-abiding gun owners until they're not, until exactly. they get into an argument with somebody who cuts them off and they decide to pull out their gun and, kill and, their four-year-old and, daughter. And, right. and, and shoot through the back seat of the car because they're mad that the guy didn't signal before he changed lanes. Yep. Uh, so, you know, everybody, every one of those people is a law-abiding gun owner until they decide to no longer abide by the law anymore. So yep. that leaves us to solutions, right? We see what our elected officials are doing, aimlessly tweeting thoughts and prayers um, and taking action the other way, as you keep pointing out, Chad, that's just making it worse. What can we do? What should we do? I mean, we, we live in a blue state here mm-hmm. um, in New York where we have legislators who, you know, who think common have some common sense when it comes to guns. But what can other people do and what should we all be doing um, well, in this issue? I'm just some guy. Um, I started getting involved. Like Sandy Hook was it. I mean, mm. as I've said before, to my shame, it was never something that I was mo- I, I could motivate myself to do until Sandy Hook happened. And then I felt there was no choice. Um, and I just started reaching out. And this is the day. these are the days of social media. Everybody is on Facebook or on Twitter or on Snapchat or on Periscope. I don't even know what Periscope is. Um, <laughs> but... That's where the movement, I mean, after Sandy Hook, there was, a, there was suddenly a, a huge leap forward with gun violence, the, the gun violence prevention movement. And uh, it, it's, a lot of that is thanks to social media because now people can directly connect with each other. Uh, so there's a, ton of, there's a ton of organizations that, that are doing a lot of good. Moms Demand Action uh, for Gun Sense in America, obviously, is the most well-known one. There's also uh, the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence in America. They're excellent. 
there's the organization uh, uh, New Yorkers Against Gun Violence for local uh, for local people. I'm part of that. They're excellent. Um, you can reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter if you need help with direction. I can help you with that. Chad R. McDonald on Facebook, Chad Mac 19 on Twitter. There are all kinds of things you can do. Uh, after Sandy Hook, I began writing and I began looking for places that would host my work. I got connected with Quiet Mike that way. Um, but people are getting angrier and angrier and angrier about this. This has been one hell of a year. Mm. And so what's what you're seeing now is, um, for the first time ever, gun violence prevention has become an electable platform. And I think in 2016, you're going to see a massive change because especially if Donald Trump gets the Republican nomination, that's oh, that's going to ensure a clean sweep for Democrats, no matter who the candidate is. <laughs> and you're going to, you're going to see the GOP bleed out the Senate and, uh, and whatever state municipal things, uh, uh seats are up, they're go- They're going to lose those too. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there was an article written a little while ago talking about how the, the GOP was already in danger for the 2016 election right. simply because that's when everybody shows up. Right. Yeah. Right. Because the the, th- the three off year elections, Democrats stay home, and that's how they get all their states, right. and get all exactly. and, and and that's how they push through these these that's, these crazy gun bills. Yeah. So now now twenty sixteen, especially if Trump gets the nomination, and it's really looking like he's gonna, um, Democrats are going to come out in force, and not just Democrats, just regular people who don't consider themselves politi- political or just want to sit on the couch. They're going to come out and vote against that guy because he's frightening. Right. And that's something to <laughs> actually look forward to. We're actually giving final comments right now. Um, again, final thoughts from the panel. What can we do? What should we be doing when it comes to something on this issue? Our elected officials aren't doing it. What should we do? Final yeah. comments. Well, um, here's the thing. I want to actually read you something that Colette just tweeted at us. Uh, it's coming from the gunviolencearchive.org and it says that in the week since the Planned Parenthood shooting, there have been 521 incidents of gun violence in America where somebody was shot or killed. 249 people have been killed and 428 people injured. Uh, in 94 of those 521 incidents, more than one victim was shot. That is in one week. Mm-hmm. One week mm-hmm. in America. So, and th- another statistic that I happen to know is even out of NRA members and gun owners, only 6% of gun owners think that we shouldn't have a universal background check law. That means that 94% of gun owners that include people that are NRA members believe that we should have uh, closed this loophole um, regarding the background checks. Mm-hmm. And so my call to action would be if you're a gun owner and if you're a member of the NRA, resign we really, one, resign your dues from the NRA, but really, we really need your voice in this conversation also. Uh, if you're one of the 94% of gun owners that supports closing this background loophole, you need to speak up on this too because, you know, we can't do this without you. Thank you, Alyssa. So I'm going to keep this very simple because I think my idea, what I'm going to say is going to really help get some legislation um, on paper. My name is Stanley Fritz. I am a supporter of Black Lives Matter. I have been to many protests mm-hmm. against police violence, and I'm going to go buy a gun. <laughs> <laughs> legally. Yes, legally. Um, I mentioned legally, and I'm also an African-American male. Right, right. I'm going to help Stanley fill out that permit. And you know what? I love Stanley's call to action. Chad, love that you dedicated your life. And Alyssa, you brought up a great point that what NRA members themselves should be doing. Um, I think that, you know, when, when it comes to, I think 
we are finally heading in the right direction when it comes to putting a spotlight on this issue. For the first time in, I think, 95 years, the New York mm -hmm. Times put an editorial on their front page, and it had to do with a outcry and backlash against all of these mass shootings. And in that editorial, they called for some legislation, something to stop. We see what happened with the New York Daily News. Everybody is really focused upon it. I mean, I think that, you know, even after Sandy Hook, some people were like, well, you know, we want to continue to put guns in the hands of the quote unquote good guys. But that's that's not the solution. And I think that we're finally coming to realize that as a nation, when it comes to media outlets, when it comes to social media and when it comes to just average citizens, we're all we're all taking a stance. And I think that it, that's what we need to continue to do. Speak out against it. Call your legislators. If you're part of NRA, go to, I don't know if they have board meetings, but just say, this is getting ridiculous. Is it going to take someone in your immediate family to die yes. before you finally want to put a stop to these ridiculous loopholes? Is that what it takes? Well, you, I mean, I yeah. mean. What I mean, the mass shooters, I mean, I, I guess they're just waiting for them to shoot up their facility and their office and their, you know, their corporation. And then maybe they'll um, stop putting so much money um, in, in the hands of our, our elected officials in order to just support their just agenda. Me right. Their agenda and a means to just make more money. Um, I know we have to close this segment right now. So we're, we're, we do have to. Put this to end, but you know what, Chad? We'll definitely invite you back again because I mean, it just keeps happening. It's ridiculous. It's, it's yeah, ridiculous I'll be back what's going and I'll on. Try to say something a little different. But. Right? No, no. We appreciate everything <laughs> that you ha said today, <laughs> and it's the it's issues that the issue is redundant at this point and yeah. it's you know what else can we say but there is things that we can do on that note we are going to take a quick break but don't go anywhere we're coming back with the news roundup and some i have a really juicy story about george zimmerman so don't go anywhere this is let your voice be heard whcr 90.3 fm new york and we are Holy back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. On 90.3 FM, WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. Guys, really quickly, before we start the news roundup up, I wanted to mention that we missed last week, and I really missed the show. And it made me appreciate the fact that we can come here every week and just talk, be hang out with my best friends, Alyssa, Natalina, <laughs> and that. talk about politics and whatnot. And we love being here. So I think you guys love having us here because you're still calling and listen. And we'd really love it if you can show your appreciation by making a small donation to WHCR. As you know, their 30th birthday is coming up. And for a small donation of $30, you can help to support the work that they do and support the work that we do. And if 30 is too much, $1, $2, $5, $10 is just enough as well. Go to WHCR.org. Go to donate and just let them know the donation came on behalf of Let Your Voice Be Heard. Thank you so much, guys. No, uh, thank you for that, Stanley. Um, and again, guys, my name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Stanley Fritz. He's on the PC ones and twos. And Alyssa Fuchs is here. And it's time for the news roundup. This is the segment of the show where we talk about some of the news stories that were really provocative, controversial annoying irked us however it's it somehow evokes some feelings from us and if you want to share in a story that you heard you can do that now the number is 212-650-6903 you can tweet us at beheard underscore radio or you can just give some comment or feedback on the stories that we're talking about and before we went to break i teased a story that i wanted to talk about and it's george zimmerman i mean for all of his supporters that were not convinced that he was right 
racist, that he was a psychopath, and that he was a lunatic, I hope this is your eye-awakening moment. So, George Zimmerman decided to tweet a it, it, it's, it's like double fold. It's a racist revenge porn tweet against his ex-girlfriend. So what happened was apparently he broke up with his with his girlfriend and um, he tweeted out that he tweeted out like two or three salacious photos of her where she's like not wearing a top and basically to shame her to harass her this is called revenge porn and he and he said in one of the tweets she cheated on me with a dirty Muslim. She'll sleep with anyone. And he gave out her phone number, right? So we know George Zimmerman is a lunatic. But however, the thing that has been, I guess, the most controversial about the story is the fact that he's finally was suspended from twitter but mind you if you remind if you if you guys can remember a few months ago when his friend tweeted out a picture of a dead trayvon martin lying on the ground and george zimmerman retweeted it the tweet was praising george zimmerman for killing this unarmed black teenager with a picture of trayvon lying on the ground dead george zimmerman retweeted it twitter did nothing about it I mean, nothing about that. But, okay, so now that he has offended this white woman who, in this revenge porn tweet, which is wrong, and then also made this tweet about, quote-unquote, a dirty Muslim, which is also wrong, Twitter is now taking some action. Well, because revenge porn is legal and tweeting out dead bodies apparently is not. That's the, I mean, honestly, that's what it is. No, that's you mean the other way around? You're saying that no, revenge porn is illegal? It's actually illegal. You cannot do that. And then also... No, it's out only illegal in certain states from what I understand. There's no federal law that prevents no, it. No, but in Florida it is. In like Florida, it's an issue. Okay. Yeah. And you can also... Twitter like has like ramped up their privacy. It, so it, you can it, complain and they'll take things it, down. It wasn't necessarily the photo. It wasn't necessarily a revenge porn. He kind of skirted the lines. It was because he put her phone number there. And yeah. he said, live as a harassment. I don't know. I think that we've now given him more airtime than he necessarily even deserves, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a good story. Speaking of our last conversation about guns um, and our conversation we're going to have later in the show about Planned Parenthood, um, a Mississippi state uh, legislature, she filed a bill that would make gun sales or put gun sales under the exact same restrictions as abortions, meaning there would um, be a 72-hour waiting period imposed upon somebody who wants to buy a gun and the person who wants to purchase the gun would have to confer and discuss with a licensed physician the risk factors that might rise from the proposed firearm purchase i can support that i can get behind that kind of bill and it sounds really silly when you're doing it for a gun doesn't it guess how silly it sounds when a woman trying to make a decision a decision about her body um and they're I, both constitutional rights so that's what actually is so great about really? it because then you can't be like oh well you know one's a constitutional right and the other one's not no actually um uh, being the ability to get an abortion is in fact a constitutional right um after roe versus wade as is the right to own a firearm so america mm. Heck yeah. I have a story about my favorite presidential candidate right now. Well, I'm always fighting between Donald Trump and Ben Carson, who's my favorite. Please tell me this is this week. It's Donald Trump. Holy crap, he is racist. Oh, yeah, so yeah, he yeah. was speaking at a coalition of Jewish Republicans. Well, that'd be anti Semitic. Yes, oh, yes, anti Semitic. Thank you. And he said, You know, guys, I want to become a good negotiator like you people and pointed to the crowd. It was like, because you know what? I've already got the cheap thing mastered. I'm cheap just like all you Jewish guys. And I want to, and I want your support because I know that you know that I'm just like you. And he received cheers. Well, 
he was making jokes in front of no, a largely was, Jewish uh, crowd. That was not I mean, a joke. A, he was serious. A lot of uh, no, it, <laughs> he was serious, and a lot of a lot of people. You know, and actually, the Republican Jewish uh, Committee has a lot of power. They have they hold a lot of political power, and that's not the kind of group that you want to offend. In fact, I was reading a tweet the other day that it was like this is a partial list of the people that um, Donald Trump has offended since he started running for a president: Muslims, women, Jews, you know, blacks. It went on and on. I'll see if I can find the tweet. It was really good. Um, um, but in the meantime, while I look for that, I wanted to tell you about another person who's running for uh, president. And that person. Oh, here we go. Hold on. It says people Trump has insulted. Partial list. Jews, the disabled, Muslims, women, immigrants, refugees and blacks. Um, it, speaking he loves of, the blacks. Speaking of um, another presidential candidate who happens to be black. Did you hear that Ben Carson thinks that the terrorist group Hamas is called Hamas? I mean, oh yeah, he and mispronounced he, it. No, no, no. It was not He's a mispronunciation. Stupid. It was just uh, not. That's the thing. It's like that goes back to his lack of foreign policy experience. Your advisor should like it's not just a mispronunciation. Like your advisor should be meeting with you and saying, hey, today you're going to meet with the Republican Jewish con- con- uh, you know, committee. And one of their concerns is Hamas. If you're going to address it, it's Hamas. The name of the terrorist group is Hamas. And, you know, like he could have just misspoke. He might have known it's called Lena, Hamas. No, no you're giving him way too much credit. Why are you giving him absolutely way too much credit? He can't make a U.S. map properly. Selena. No, because he when he was corrected on it he then said it again wrong a second time after he was corrected so that's why I don't think it's a matter of misspoke I think it just goes back to his complete inability to run for president because he has absolutely no political experience whatsoever Selena has a heart of gold she tries tries to defend criminally stupid people no, I was going to say, in his defense, he actually took a trip to Syria so that he can interact with the refugees. Okay, that's like Paul Ryan well, no, going to a soup kitchen and washing dishes <laughs> that were clean, okay? He, no. But yes. no, he, so he, he basically yeah. did that to acknowledge that he does have a weakness when it comes to foreign policy, and he wanted to learn and further advance his knowledge on foreign policy okay, by so actually taking a trip. Maybe read a book, because going to meet with refugees... First-hand knowledge. Selena, you sound like one of those people who vote for the KKK member because... He walked past a black neighborhood. Like, all right, no. Uh, first so of all, that like, analogy. Anyone is running strange. for office is going to take a tri- running for president is going to take a trip to the Middle East. It's a thing they do, and they'll probably get some photo ops of them shaking someone's hand. No, he didn't. Oh, he just needed to like kiss a brown baby or yeah. something to make himself look better. You remember back in the days when you were like, it's not so hard. You don't need to be a neurosurgeon to figure this out. <laughs> now you can't say that anymore. <laughs> like you can't. That was like, a good one. You, like he's that stupid. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, hey, that I just says a lot about us as Americans because he's second place in the polls right now. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does say a lot about it. Well, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. When Man, I probably, if I was in Iowa, I would vote for him or Trump. I would vote so hard for them because in Iowa, like, they have open primaries. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So you would do that just to help Democrats win office. Yes. Definitely. A- well, I mean, well, speaking of that, um, I also wanted to bring up a story um, to let everyone know that Donald Trump, Right now, um, so a survey found that Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton would both win in primary races if it was um, if a primary election was held today in Tennessee. And I say that to say because a lot of people have really been questioning and just pushing back on, on Donald Trump. They've just been looking at him as, you know, like a joke and a, like a clown and thinking that he's not going to really advance. But he really is. He actually has a huge lead on anyone else um, in the GOP race. And it is looking like he may just, you know, make it to the general election, which which I say, if that happens, I think that I will 
question everything I ever believed in politics. Why? Because it's he does. Perfect sense. Be, well, it, it does, but it doesn't. Because the thing is, traditionally, if any other politician would have said, done, or went that tra- on the same trajectory that Donald Trump is going, they would not be here. George Wallace. It would not be well, here. He you know, won a Republican primary. That's that's a good example. I mean, it also we're operating in a different time because than the previous elections because, well, I mean, Citizens United was decided like sort of around the time of the last election. But this is like the first uh, or second full-blown presidential election cycle within that context of unlimited amounts of money being in pol- you know inserted into the political process. And that's why you have this kind of situation, especially when you have a candidate like Donald Trump. He doesn't have to take anybody else's money, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's got a lot of his own money. So you have all these other candidates that are kind of couched into what they can say, what they can't say, et cetera, based on you know who's lining their pockets. But Donald Trump has nobody lining his pockets except for Donald Trump. And so that allows Donald Trump to essentially say whatever it is he wants to say all the time because he doesn't have to worry about some big donor saying like, oh, well, that crossed my line. I'm pulling my funding now. He doesn't care because he's he's funding his own candidacy himself. You're absolutely right. And so a perfect example of that is Jeb Bush. He, his 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 pack has spent more money on his campaign than every other presidential candidate has spent on their own campaigns right now. He's uh, his pack has outspent Donald Trump 30 to one. His PAC spends more money than he spends on his own campaign, mm. and he's losing. He Maybe Jeb Bush <laughs> should be like Donald Trump, which is ama- no seriously like they like they have blanketed Iowa and New Hampshire with ads on behalf of Jeb Bush, and his own like aides are working on the in the pack, and they still can't crack anything. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is like he's not spending any money. He's the media is just covering him because he says ridiculous things and he's leading because we have lots of racist and xenophobes in this country still. No, you're, you're absolutely right, Stanley. And I would definitely back that. Like, again, it is reflective of the sentiment that a lot of Americans say within the privacy of their homes or, you know, with other people that look like them, but won't necessarily stay on a national platform. Donald Trump says it for them. Hence, he gets votes. It's, it's a sad. It's, it's sad if you think about it. I think uh, as far as I'm concerned of you know, if Trump becomes their nominee, and I think the Republican National Committee is trying to prevent that because I think they know if re- Trump becomes the nominee, that's really a vote for Trump is a vote for Hillary. Hey, well, that will make me happy. On on that note, we're going to take a quick break, but do not go anywhere. When we come back, we'll be speaking about the corruption in Chicago in light of Laquan McDonald's death right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Got a lot of people trying to drain me of my energy. They're trying to take away from a with a kid and pray for you. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley. I'm very horse Fritz here with Selena Cat Daddy Snapchat Periscope all day, every day, hard body hill. And of course, Alyssa drink beers bigger than my entire body. I'm a lawyer. You've been lawyered. I will still fight you at a hockey game if you say the Rangers suck fukes. And we have talked about so far. What else? Another mass shooting, another lack of activity from Congress and Senate to pass gun laws. Then we had the news roundup where George Zimmerman found a way to include his vomit into our news timeline again. And then Donald Trump, who might just win the Republican primary. And now the fun stuff begins. And by fun, I mean extremely depressing. So 
Selena, Alyssa, Marilyn, my love, and some other friends and I are going to be going to go see Chirac later today. So I'm very excited about that. And we thought to ourselves, we should do a movie too. So in honor of Chirac, Selena, Alyssa, and I are starting a two-part movie that starts today. So I'm going to tell you the plot for today's movie, and then we'll go from there. So the plot is a young man, African-American male, walking away from the cops, Maybe saying some rude things to them, maybe not, who knows, because the video that we're seeing this on has no sound, gets shot 16 times. But for some reason, the police officer puts in a report that says, hey, this young Negro was lunging at me, and he had a knife that he was going to stab me with. And his partner also corroborated with this actual story. And after about 400 days and a whole bunch of freedom of information requests coming in from this reporter who just randomly got very empowered and curious about the story... Chicago PD finally releases dash cam footage that shows that the African-American male that the cop says was lunging at him actually was not lunging at him. He was nowhere near that cop. That cop shot him 16 times. This movie is even more interesting because the powers that be, the elected officials who are supposed to be the leaders, who are supposed to be the ones that protect us from these kind of things happening, they gave that kid's family $5 million. Guess what? His family didn't follow suit. His family didn't even, like, file a complaint yet. They gave that to him retroactively, and this is before the video came out, and people started to wonder what the hell was going on. To make it even more interesting, after all these things happened, we found out that there was a Burger King in the area that also had footage of the shooting, but guess what? The footage was magically missing. And then the Burger King regional vice president said, well, some cops came in there, and they deleted the footage. What will we call that movie? Cover Up? Cover Up? Alyssa? Corruption? I call it real life, the past three weeks. We are actually talking about something that is going on right now. And on this Sunday, we'll be talking about the rampant corruption and the cover-ups going on in Chicago with Laquan McDonald and other cases. And then next week, we'll be talking about the rampant gang violence and the issues with education and, and gun violence in Chicago. But today, at this very moment, we are talking about what is becoming a serious problem everyone knows about the phrase chicago style politics everybody knows the phrase about the 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 blue shield where no matter what happens you're supposed to protect your brother in arms in the police department i know in new york they're really passionate about that because i have some cop friends who will defend the cop even this video footage of the cop yelling the n-word while holding the kkk hoodie and shooting a black person who's unarmed and asleep they'll still say maybe they were provoked And in Chicago, that same high-level blue shield is existing. And it's happening where this cop said that he was protecting his life because he was in danger from Laquan McDonald. And his partner, who was not at the scene of the crime, said that, yeah, he was defending himself. And then some other cop came and deleted video footage from Burger King, said he was defending himself. And then the mayor and the police department had this video for over 400 days and was going to let the cop walk free. So today, we talk about what the hell kind of logical or illogical politicians and police forces could help to create such a culture of corruption and to help us with this conversation we have an amazing guest a guest we've had here a couple of times um the most recent was a couple of years ago i think about two years ago when we were talking about the violence going on in chicago and like you know ways that we can address it and, and why it was such a big issue and this person is someone who has been in the community for over 20 years His name is t.o hardman the executive director for ceasefire violence interrupters incorporated and like i said he has dedicated his life 
life and career to community organizing for peace and social change. In 1999, Hartman joined Ceasefire, and this is an award-winning public health model that has been scientifically proven to reduce shootings and killings. Hartman's one of the people who's in the communities, and you know what? Chicago can, can take all of the help and it can get. And he is going to help us to understand why this kind of nonsense could be happening in Chicago and why we are just not paying attention. CL, thank you so much for calling in today. No, I'm really glad, glad to be on the show this morning. Thank you. Thank so, Tio, it's going to get really sad. It's going to get really frustrating. It's going to get really, really upsetting very soon because there's a lot of nonsense in this conversation. So before we get there, I have one question from you. Who yeah. has the better pizza, Chicago or New York? Well, I've been to New York several times. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, Chicago. <laughs> Come on, Tio. You lying to me. Have you ever had a nice slice of New York pizza after a long night of listening to trap music and drinking whiskey sours? Yeah, I've had a slice of New York pizza on several occasions <laughs> in Harlem and in Queens, the Bronx, whatever. But uh, Chicago got you guys beat by a long shot. All right, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna we can have a debate you. about that for the whole show. Yeah, right. Like, can we just right. do that? We, can, we could also guys. debate who's got the better hot dog, but we'll have to mm. save that for another time. Well, no one knows what, right. what makes hot dogs, so <laughs> it's awesome for that. So, Teal, that was the LOL moment of the day. Unfortunately, we are not gonna have much more of that. So. I'm just I gave a kind of a summary of what happened with Laquan McDonald and what those yeah. police officers did and all of the cover ups that went around there. And I want to talk about a couple of other things that like we've seen from Chicago from our point of view. But before I jump in and start dominating the conversation, I really want you to give us like a point of view of what's been happening, why this kind of cover up has been happening with Chicago PD and why a mayor, an elected official who I thought was one of the good guys, has allowed this to happen. Well, first and foremost, uh Superintendent McCarthy, uh, everybody in Chicago we kind of celebrate now because McCarthy should have been fired back in 2012. The reason the mayor allowed these type of incidents to occur is because Superintendent McCarthy had a wicked spirit here in Chicago. He brought all of his East Coast strategies to Chicago that have not worked in Chicago at all. And the mayor continued to hold his hand. And everything that I'm talking about now, you can back up, you know, with, uh, you know, media stories, whatever the case may be, as it relates to, like, what's been written about these uh, incidents and what's been written about how the mayor has not responded. For example, uh, the Department of Justice was supposed to conduct an investigation with the Chicago Police Department about a year ago, but because Mayor Rahm Emanuel has a good relationship with the president, they kind of backed up off of that investigation, okay? What you got going on in Chicago is McCarthyism, and I compare it to apartheid. McCarthy came to Chicago, it appears that somebody gave these officers the right to shoot, ask questions later because we have your back. And that's the mindset of some of the police officers. And don't get me wrong, the black-on-black killers uh, need to stop as well. But, for example, there's an officer by the name of Dante Servant. He shot and killed a young lady by the name of Rakia Boyd. And Sutton McCarthy said he stood behind his officer and the mayor stood behind that officer. And when the Laquan McDonald tape was released, all of a sudden now they want to have the officer fired for killing Rakia Boyd you know, like seven, eight months later. But the reality is that the cover-up has been going on in Chicago for quite some time. There are a lot of uh, young guys that have been shot and killed by the police, a lot of un- unanswered questions. But Laquan McDonald is the tape that uh, pretty much uh, broke the camel's back to a degree because McCarthy's fired, and now we got to work on uh, making sure that uh, Rahm Emanuel steps down and resigns as well. Some people need to be indicted. You've had police officers that made false reports as well. This was a cover-up because of the election year. The mayor uh, probably thought that if he, if the video was released, he would not win re-elections because he was already in a runoff. So there's a lot that's going on. But this, you know, understand this. All the listeners need to understand. Chicago is the capital when it comes down to wrongful convictions. Chicago has a, a long history of police-involved shootings, killing a lot of, you know, like, you know, guys that were unarmed. 
like a lot of cities, you know, across the United States. But this is this this is a major issue in Chicago right now. And I would like to applaud all the community activists, all the people that are standing up now, because a lot of the pastors who supported Rahm Emanuel, some of those pastors are turning against him now. So they're showing that they have a little backbone, okay? So thank you so much for that, T.O. I wanted to cut in because in case anyone just tuned into the show, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard. We are talking about the Chicago police and political corruption. We have our guest, T.O. Hardman, on the line. And if you want to call in with any questions or concerns, the number is 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. I know Alyssa had a question for you, T.O. Alyssa, the floor is yours. Yeah, I do. I mean, I you kind of touched upon it when you were just giving that last statement, but I wanted to maybe nail it down a little more, which is Rahman. Emanuel was running for election last year around the time when this occurred. And a lot of people are saying that part of the reason why this video was not released right away and part of the reason why the case and the family was settled and the the family was paid the $5 million so quickly um, is because if this video would have come out, before Rahm Emanuel was elected mayor of the city, he would have lost the election. Now, I just before you give me the answer, I wanted to quickly potentially correct something that you said, Stanley, which is they probably never filed a lawsuit. Um, they had to have filed an initial claim, like just what's called a notice in New York. It's called a notice of claim. I don't know in Chicago or in Illinois what you know what Illinois law calls it, but I pr- suspect that they probably filed some kind of even if it was one or two page document putting the city on notice that they intended to commence suit, and then the city settled that before it could ever get into a courtroom and more public information could come out. Now, if I'm wrong about that, I'll try and correct it later. But generally speaking, that's the process, at least legally, as somebody who does those kind of police cases here in New York. Uh, getting back to my question, Tio, I mean, how much did this election and Rahm Emanuel needing to win re-election or wanting to win re-election play into the decision to quietly settle the case for $5 million and not release the video for over 400 days? Well, that's exactly what happened. Uh, Rahm Emanuel was in a heated contest to become the mayor again, and they decided they everybody came together. You know, like McCarthy, the mayor, the you know the uh, state's attorney, and even the aldermen here in Chicago. So it's not just the mayor's responsibility. The aldermen signed off on a five million dollar check as well. Black aldermen, white aldermen, Hispanic aldermen, Asian aldermen. So you know, you got a massive cover up here in uh, City Hall, Chicago. Yeah, it, the tape played a major role because the mayor already knows that if that tape was released. He would not be the mayor today. So that's what you got going on. And just to back up what I'm saying, the mayor continued to make these statements about, you know, the increase in homicide rate in Chicago, but he hired McCarthy to kind of solve everything in Chicago. But this is what he said lately. The city, the police are in a fetal position. If the police are in a fetal position, why are they steady killing unarmed African-American youth? That doesn't sound like somebody in a fetal position to me. And then they say they need more gun control. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Let me say this. When you talk about gun control, do you think a young guy is thinking about gun control if he's going to shoot and kill somebody? The thing is, they have a lot of ineffective strategies that they implemented. So the tape was used, they suppressed the tape to make sure the mayor was reelected. That's the bottom line. Everybody knows it now, and I think it's going to come out as they began to uncover documents and reveal more information about this. I think the mayor is going to end up stepping down eventually because of this uh, the tape, the releasing of the Kwame Donald tape. I honestly hope that does exactly what happens. I just want to point out that some more information came out just this past Friday. So they were able to recover the video from McDonald's and it actually shows an officer at at the at, pardon me, at the Burger King on a computer deleting the recording from the actual incident. So this is the video that Rahm Emanuel, they did not want to have released. And now it's come out now and it's incriminated these officers even more. My, my question is, because this, you know, 
I know, like, we all know, like, the issues of race. We all know the issues of police violence. But Rahm Emanuel is someone who I've always considered to be, like, one of the strongest Democrats, progressives that we have, someone who really fight, fights for these issues. How can someone who, at least on paper, seems like to be on our side have gone like have just pretty much allowed capital murder happen and do nothing about it. How could it how could it have gone this far? Well, this is what you call politics going wild. You know, I know Rahm Emanuel was one of the you know strongest voices, you know, coming out of Chicago. He worked for the president. Uh this is the culture of corruption in Chicago. That's why that's why this happened. I told uh Rahm Emanuel back in twenty eleven when he brought Superintendent McCarthy to Chicago that McCarthy would lead to his downfall. I told the mayor that personally because uh, McCarthy's spirit wasn't right. But the reality is what I'm saying. This was able to uh, go on from time and time again because it's the corruption. In Chicago, you got a lot of preachers that are paid off. You got people that look the other way. It's all about money. They gave to Laquan McDonald. They didn't even give the money to the person that was taking care of Laquan, which was his uncle, but they gave it to some other family members, okay? The reality of they thought the $5 million hush money would suppress the tape forever. And that's and they got exposed because you had a young man named William Calloway, a young brother from the neighborhood who uh, got in contact with a journalist named Brandon. I forget Brandon's last name right now. And they actually fought to get the tape released. And now this week another tape is going to be released. A guy named Ronnie Mann was shot and killed while he was running away from the police. It's Brandon Smith, just for clarification, Selena. Yeah, thank you. No, I, I'm you know I'm just li- listening to these um, these horrendous details about what's what's going on. And Stanley mentioned this um, more reports that came out late Friday evening, which I think was very strategic to put out these reports on a late Friday. Um, I wanted to add to that and say that um, not only that, but the initial police reports that those officers at the scene also came out Friday evening. And if you read those reports, the officers said not only did they did um, Laquan lunge at them, but they said that he was holding a knife very aggressively approaching them. And to add to it that he was so determined to attack the cops even after he had been shot down that is why officer jason van dyke continued to shoot so he said literally mcdonald fell to the ground but continued to move and continued to grasp the knife refusing to let it go and i'm like who i'm like did they shoot down the hulk like who are they talking about like what video were they watching They, they were at the scene and they just completely lied and i mean and the thing is even if even if that video didn't come out, you would who would think that someone who has been shot down on the ground is just so determined to lunge and to attack a police officer with a knife? Negro, that doesn't happen. Negro Hulk. Well, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this before. I'll mention it again. I mean, the, the reason why you always hear police officers say things like I was scared for my life or I was scared for the life of other officers is because, as I've mentioned on previous shows, that's the standard that has been laid out by the law that is the defense. You know, when you're an official uh, actor of the state, a police officer is an official actor of the state. And when the uh, the police officer um, shoots or kills or injures somebody using deadly force um, and they do not want to be charged with murder. They always say, well, I was, you know, scared for my life because that's the standard. And I also just wanted to add to that. The um, settlement, the $5 million settlement actually included a clause that kept the dash cam video secret so that it could not be released. So it was not until Brandon Smith filed this FOIL request and it was ordered to be turned over by the Cook County judge that the video became public. That is ridiculous. Guys, we are going on a quick break. When we get back, we'll keep talking about this case but also get some other examples of chicago police corruption this is let your voice be heard on 8.3 fm whcr the voice of harlem
And we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, we are talking about the Chicago police and political corruption going on right now. And really, I guess for as long as we can remember or anyone can remember, it's been pretty corrupt. And the song you were listening to was Kendrick Lamar's The Black of the Berry. It's a song that I, I like to play, especially when we're having conversation dealing with race or police violence or gang violence, because I think it represents the anger that a lo- the anger and confusion that a lot of us feel at this moment when these things are happening. And now before I start talking your ears off again, I want you guys to know that we do have Chio Hardman on the phone. And before we get to him, I want to throw it to Alyssa who had a comment. Yeah, so I found such an interesting contrast between, um, I guess, what happened in the Freddie Gray case uh, with Carolyn Mosby, who is the district attorney uh, in Baltimore versus what happened here with the district attorney whose name, um, first name I'm not sure of, but I, last name I know is Ms. Alvarez. She's the DA uh, in Chicago. And, you know, a lot of things, you know, there's definitely a contrast, right? Carolyn Mosby, um, you know, right away was like, I'm going to get an indictment. You know, I'm going to bring the, this to justice. I, I hear your calls for justice. Whereas in Chicago, Ms. Alvarez, obviously, you know, because of the timing of the release in the video seems to be somewhat complicit in the fact that nothing happened. But it leads to a bigger thing that I wanted to bring up about prosecutors and sort of the need for an independent prosecutor's office to investigate issues of when police uh, fire their fire, discharge a firearm. I know that's something that Eric Schneiderman, the AG here in New, in New York, has really been trying to push with the governor to have an independent office, because this is what people forget, that when a DA's office prosecutes people for a crime, the people who are bringing that crime, so to speak, through the doors are the police, right? A police officer sees somebody on the street commit a crime, they place them under arrest, they bring them to the DA's office, to the courthouse, they then meet with the district attorney and tell the DA what they saw. And based on the information that the DA gets from the police, the DA then moves forward with a criminal case against that person. If the police no longer trust the DA um, because the DA goes after police officers, then the, D- the police are in on some ways less likely to, uh, you know, bring cases through the doors because there's a breakdown in trust between the DA's office and the police. And that shouldn't be. The police can't investigate themselves. There has to be some investi- in, in independent body. But second off, the biggest supporter usually of a DA in re-election when it comes to money, and now we're back to money supporting people, is the police union. So when you need to get re-elected and you're relying on the police union to pour money into your campaign, then you're going to have a really hard time when you piss off the police union, when you start prosecuting officers that should be prosecuted. And that's why there's a need in Chicago and everywhere else for an independent body to do this kind of work. Tio, is there any push to get an independent prosecutor for DC, for um, Chicago when these kind of acts happen? Oh, without a doubt. No, Reverend Jesse Jackson, a lot of the state-based leaders, uh, they're calling for an independent prosecutor. Congressman Bobby Russ just called for it as well. But keep in mind, Bobby Russ, some of these guys are the same people that supported Mayor Rahm Emanuel. But that's the need. There's definitely a need. Now, also understand this. You have an independent police review authority here in Chicago, and there's a, a guy that sits on that board named Lorenzo Davis. He spoke up uh, uh, you know, against some of these cases and exposed some of the officers' misconduct, and he was fired around six months ago because he spoke up. And now the mayor wants to appoint another special oversight committee. Why would you uh, appoint another oversight committee, including the former governor, I think, of uh, David, um, uh, you know, his name's listening now. He's uh, the former governor of Massachusetts. Good guy, you know, the brother, uh, African-American guy. But the, the point I'm making here is this. Why would you appoint another oversight committee? That's because you have no faith in the other committee. He kind of threw the other committee to the side. He threw them to the world, so to speak, <clears throat> Excuse me, because what happened is that that committee has no power because they're all appointed people. And that's the point we're making right now, on, you know, for your listeners. 
the reality in Chicago, the mayor needs to go. Uh, State's Attorney Anita Alvarez, she's up for re-election now, too. And I guess they were hoping that the tape would not be released until after March of 2016 when she could win her primary, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's what this tape is all about. But you're going to have so many more tapes that are released within the next two or three months that the entire country is going to be bombarded with a lot of uh, killings of innocent you know, African-American youth. Uh, the world's going to have to wait and see the outcome of all these other tapes. That's very true to you. And if you guys are just tuning in or you want to call in, the number is 212 212- Six five zero six nine zero three. Again, that is two one two six five zero six nine zero three. Or you can tweet us at beheard underscore radio. We are talking about the police and political corruption going on in Chicago in light of Laquan McDonald. I want to ask you a question, Tio. What's going on with the governor of Illinois? What is he doing? Well, the governor actually made a comment. Uh, governor Bruce Rauner actually said he cried when he saw the tape, and he's actually calling for what you might say, uh, you know, like the Department of Justice to come in and investigate the police department. He finally just made a comment. He was kind of silent uh, once everything, you know, kind of hit the fan or whatever. But uh, he's stepping up a little bit now, but he still has his own struggles, internal struggles with trying to pass a budget here in Illinois. He's steady cutting programs for the mentally ill, cutting programs for child care, uh, senior services. I mean, this guy, uh, he's a billionaire, and he just appears to have a cold heart when it comes down to supporting some of the everyday working class and poor people. But he did make a statement uh, just to answer your question. Well, sta- <laughs> statements are useless just like prayers when you can do something. So, right. No, no shade, Selena. She gave me a crazy side eye. But um, I, I did want to switch gears a little bit. We've been talking about the Laquan McDonald incident for quite some time now, but this is not the only example of corruption in the Chicago PD. So I wanted to bring up a story that I read in The Guardian actually a year ago that, that, I, that I pitched to the show to have, have us have this discussion, and it was about pretty much the police apparently have this off-site location where they take people and they interrogate them and it's unmarked and they don't list it anywhere and they don't have to have a warrant and they can just hold people there for days. Have you heard about that location in oh, the yeah, selective? Yeah, very well versed about that. And let me correct the name. That was former Governor Patrick Duvall. I think that's his name. That's the guy that the mayor just appointed to a special committee here. And um, as far as the Holman Square location on the west side of Chicago, it reminds me of the movie Shutter Island. This is a place where they would take people and they would interrogate them they would keep them there for weeks upon weeks and uh, really try to, you know, ex- extract information out of these guys. It, it kind of puts you in mind of some of the CIA practices when they try to, I don't, I'm not going to water waterboarding people, but they were taking people, and these people would disappear out the streets for two or three weeks. But it's being exposed now. A lot of people, I'm, I'm glad the Guardian newspaper wrote a story about it, but this is a place on the west side where the police were definitely involved in some misconduct with a lot of, you know, civilians. They would take them there, and uh, they would just get all kinds of information out of them. So more will be revealed in regards to that story as well. Right. Is Do you know, I mean, I'm just curious. Obviously, we have a Fourth Amendment, or at least in theory, that people are not supposed to just be disappeared. Like, this is some kind right. of war zone. Do you know if there's any lawsuits that have come out of the secret prison, we'll call it, um, that you that you know of? Um, no, not right now. That? They're working on it. A few of the people that were detained over there for some time, they're going to uh, file a lawsuit pretty soon. That's going to rock the nation as well because that's under Mayor Rahm Emanuel's watch. Right. And, and that's what you have going on in Chicago. Like I said, it's been a long, long history of police cover-up mm-hmm. and misconduct. You have to understand this, too, and I don't want, I'm going to go kind of deep with this one. Remember the guy out of Boston, Whitey Bulger, they filmed a movie on his yes. lifestyle? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, this guy was in bed with the police, the FBI, and everybody, and on the streets. That's what you got going on in Chicago, too. You got a lot of these guys that are on the streets. Uh, for example, I hear a lot of stories about a guy that may shoot at people, but if the police catch him, they would let him out if he would tell on other people. So now you're letting killers out on the street, 
And I can't confirm all the stories, but I do know of two stories where I know individuals that were involved in that type of stuff, and I know they were released. Guys and the police have to just give them a gun, and they give up two or three guns, they're back on the street so they can go kill more people, okay? People are bringing, bringing drugs in the community as well. And I'm not taking up for my brothers and sisters out there. I want to make that clear. The black-on-black killings need to stop, and the drug dealing needs to stop as well. But we have stories in Chicago where freight trains mysteriously end up broken into on the south side of Chicago, and guys are getting semi-automatic weapons off these freight trains. So it's a lot of problems. I'm telling you, there needs to be a massive uh, overhaul of what's going on in Chicago fires policing, okay? Yeah. So I, I'm glad you mentioned that. We're actually going to talk about that next week in the second part of this, this this special coverage on Chicago. So thank you for bringing that up. We also have a caller on the line right now, Big Brother Omar from the Big Mango. Omar, let your voice be heard. Yes, hello, and uh, good uh, afternoon to your guest. And the brother from Chicago is like a brother in fresh air. I have a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, has a radio show, show in Chicago. His name is Brother Salim. I won't mention. I'll just say his last name is M. Salim. We grew up together. He did a he did a book on Mayor Washington, and he's always been in the forefront, trying to uh, bring out all of this corruption of what's mm. going on in the city. And that goes back to even before Mayor Daley, who was one of the most vicious crime mayors that this country has ever produced. And uh, Chicago has always been known for its corruption, going back to Al Capone and them days back there. But I want to ask the brother one thing. What is the solution to all of this? Because this thing seems like it's going from one generation to the next. All of these cover-ups, not only in Chicago, but here in New York with Shelly Silvers and all this other stuff that's going on. What's the solution to all of this? We're going into a new year, 2016. Uh, it's, it's an election year what is this brothers if you had a crystal ball what would you tell us here uh uh in Harlem is the solution to all of this i'll hang up and listen to your response cool. you know i love you and there's nothing you can do about it so keep my face brothers and sisters thank you well i have a uh, direct answer for the brother and your listeners uh the self-hatred needs to stop in the african-american community and uh african-american people have to unify if they really stop the killings the only way you're going to stop killings the police killings and the black-on-black violence is that African-American people have to unify. That's the only solution. I don't care how much money you put into a program. If you, don't, if you do not deal with the issue of self-hatred, you're going to continue to have problems in the oh. African-American community. Right now, everybody's benefiting off the backs of African-American youth. The state's attorneys, the, pen- the penitentiaries, the police, lawyers, you know, you name it, cemeteries, everybody. So right. we have a big problem in front of us. It's like the elephant in the room, and we have to take one piece down at a time. Right. No, you're, you a- to- you're, you're absolutely right. So can, I, can you just, I'm just going to ask you to clarify something. How can um, stopping and, and, and people, um, how can us as a black community uh, help or stop police shootings? I mean, if that's, it, it sounds like that's what you're saying. If that's not what you're saying, can you just please clarify on how a, a solution to police killings in the black community is the black people uh, unifying? right? What was that? Have you you guys have heard about Minister Farrakhan, the Nation yes. of Islam, right? Yes. Yeah. Do you hear about the police shooting any of the Muslim brothers that are out there mm. with their suits and bow ties on? I also don't hear them doing any work either. Not what I'm saying, but you don't hear them shooting them guys right or wrong. Absolutely, you're right. You're right on that. And, and and the perfect the point I'm trying to make is the reason why the police don't shoot those guys is because they feel that that's a unified you know, like system of people where they don't know what might come behind that. I'm not saying violence would come behind it. What I'm saying is that if black folks would unify and stop killing each other, the police would not be able to kill more black folks. 
That's what I'm saying, to be real clear with you. A unified community, you know, you're strong as your weakest link. The reason the police are killing our people is because a lot of our people, the police probably feel nobody really cares if we're killing each other mm. in wholesale numbers. Well, That's do you, what I mean. Do you think that, let's just say, like the Black Lives Matter movement, do you think that, that we are exceeding on that front and trying to unify and show police and show um, our officials that you cannot just kill black black people? I love what the Black Lives Matter people stand for, but they also need to go into the depths of the neighborhood and help stop some of the black-on-black killings. A lot of people do not want to address the brothers in the hood because it's not going to be an easy fight. Those brothers in the hood will step to you, okay? It's more convenient to address the issues of police brutality, which I'm on the front line on both of the issues, but I applaud Black Lives Matter, but they need to get into the neighborhoods, too, and help us stop some of the killings out there. You, you know, T.O., I'm really glad you're, you're saying that. We actually don't hear that rhetoric, and I feel like any time people within the Black Lives Matter movement or just in the black community do say something like that, well, hey, we have a part to play. There's a role that black people can play as well to stop this type of killing, uh, this this mass killing of black people. Um. You, it's a lot of pushback. So for you to take that stance and to come strong in it, you know, I appreciate you saying that. Teal, thank you so much for calling in today. Thank you so much for calling in today. So we do have to wrap up. I just want to ask you to let the listeners know how they can learn more about your organization and they can support your work. Okay. Yeah. You know, my website is uh, teohardiman.com. That's T-I-O-H-A-R-D-I-M-A-N.com. You know, you can find me on Facebook. Twitter, T.O. Hardiman. So I really appreciate the opportunity to come on your show to speak to a lot of my friends on the East Coast because I know a lot of people, my sister Erica Ford up there in Harlem, uh, you know, my man, a lot of good people. In other words, I can't name everybody, but I'm, gl- I'm glad to be on your show. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank, Thank you for being on here with us. So, guys, we do have to wrap up this conversation. I want to make this as short and sweet as possible. We have a serious issue of, of gang violence in Chicago, and that, that's an issue that has to be addressed. We cannot run away from that. And I think Tia was very blunt about how he feels about that issue. But despite what's going on, despite how many people are killing each other out there, despite how many gangs you have out there, despite how much gang violence is going on, you never have the right as someone who is supposed to be serving and protecting to take the law into your own hands and take the life of someone else. You also do not have the right as someone that the people elect to represent them and to fight for legislation and laws that protect them to then cover evidence of someone's life being taken unfairly so that you can win an election. When we get to a point when people will brush aside the life of one person so that they can make their life a little bit more comfortable, we are in very dangerous waters. Rahm Emanuel, someone who I've said multiple times on this segment, was an elected official who I thought was one of the good guys, has proven once again that this system is backed up, it is supported, it is propped, and it is built off of just an institution of racism. Because when someone who looks like an ally can throw you under the bus so they can have four more years to not do the job they promised to do, then you know we are in a bad place. And then we can't pontificate, we can't debate, we can't pray, we have to do something, we have to get active. And one of the first things that we can do, and one of the things that we refuse to do so far, is hold these police accountable. And until that happens, this is going to keep on going on, and we'll keep on calling it Chirac, or Philadelphia, or just New York City where cops can shoot people because they're brown and they get applauded for it. But until we do something, we'll keep calling it that guy so now we got to go on a quick break when we return it'll be Alyssa and the quickie that the United States of America is back in the leadership business which is how we must stand with our allies as regards Planned Parenthood anyone who has watched this videotape I dare 
Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama to watch these tapes, watch a fully formed fetus on the table, its heart beating, its legs kicking, while someone says we have to keep it alive to harvest its brain. This is about the character of our nation. And if we will not stand up and force President Obama to veto this bill, shame on us. And we are back. So what you were just hearing is a clip of Carly Fiorina speaking uh, at the first Republican debate. And specifically what you should cue into is the last part of that comments uh, where she was telling lies and falsehoods and amping up rhetoric against Planned Parenthood uh, based on doctored videos that came out later to be false. Um, I'm going to address that in just a minute. But before I get there, I want to tell you a little story about King Henry II of England. Um, King Henry II was a king of England, and um, he had an advisor whose name was Tom. Thomas Beckett. Uh, Beckett was the Archbishop of Canterbury. Uh, one day, um, the king heard that Beckett had disobeyed one of his orders, and so the king declared publicly to his court, to everybody there, um, what miserable drones and traitors have I nourished and brought up in my household? Um, and, you know, he, he went on to disparage um, Thomas Beckett during this speech in front of a whole group of people. Now, hearing that, a group of knights decided that a good way to get in the king's favor would be to go down to Canterbury and beat Beckett to death. Of course, after Beckett was dead, later on, King Henry would claim his words were just hyperbole. And of course, that he never wanted anyone to actually act on them and that he never wished harm upon anybody, and especially upon harm upon a man that he once called a friend. He might have been telling the truth, but none of that diminished his culpability. And so that's directly related to what we're talking about here today about Planned Parenthood, Carly Fiorina's um, comments that you heard uh, just previously, and the shooting that occurred by a terrorist named Robert Deere who entered a Planned Parenthood clinic in Colorado Springs and opened fire, killing three people, wounding nine others with a semi-automatic rifle. It should not really be surprised that when the police apprehended him, and even though they had have not and still have not described his definite motives, uh, sorry, motives when he spoke to authorities, he allegedly said, quote, unquote, no more baby parts, which is almost directly related to the kinds of rhetoric and hyperbole that Carly Fiorina was amping up during the clip that you just heard. So in this situation, um, King Henry is Carly Fiorina and Planned Parenthood is Thomas Beckett and Lawrence Deere is the knights that went down and killed the people at Planned Parenthood based on what they heard the King Henry say. In this case, like I said, the King Henry would be Carly Fiorina. Uh, this fatal shooting is actually the latest incident in a long history of violent attacks on facilities and doctors that provide ab abortions in the United States. And it comes following the GOP's amped up rhetoric about Planned Parenthood after the release of the doctored videos that were made by the anti-abortion group. As I've already addressed several times on this sh on previous shows, uh, that these uh, these videos were highly doctored, they were highly edited, and they didn't provide the true picture of exactly what was going on. If you want to hear more about that, you can listen to our previous show. I'm not going to go back through it. What I'm really, really concerned with is the rhetoric that we hear from people who are running for office and people who hold office on the right and how that kind of rhetoric affects people to go out and commit acts of violence against Planned Parenthood clinics and against providers of medical services to women at Planned Parenthood uh, 
at Planned Parenthood clinics. Now, a number of people who actually knew Mr. Deere said that he was a staunch abortion opponent. His ex-wife actually came out and said that he had previously told her that once he went down to a Planned Parenthood in Charleston, North Carolina, and he put glue in the locks so that they would have difficulty opening the location. Another person who knew him said that he had praised people who had previously attacked abortion providers, saying that they were, quote, unquote, doing God's work. Uh, Mr. Deere also allegedly described members of the Army of God, which is a loosely organized group of anti-abortion extremists that claim responsibility for a number of killings and bombings at abortion clinics. He called them heroes. Um, I should say, and this kind of goes without saying, but you cannot be pro-life and then go out and shoot up an abortion clinic. That is the exact opposite of being pro-life, which is taking people's lives. So, um, you know, that should really be clear. But you know what? It's it's really sad because this isn't the first time that this has happened. In fact, since 1993, when the first abortion doctor was killed in the United States, at least 11 people have been killed in attacks on abortion clinics in the United States. And almost always those attacks follow amped up rhetoric that comes from the right, from conservatives and from the GOP. So I want to give you a brief history of those kind of events. In 1984, on Christmas Day, two doctor's offices and clinics were bombed by opponents of abortion who were later arrested, convicted and jailed. In 1993, the first abortion doctor in the United States was killed. That was Dr. David Gunn during an anti-abortion process outside his clinic in Pensacola, Florida. The gunman, whose name was Michael Griffin, shot him three times in the back and then immediately turned himself over to police moments later, telling them, I I've just shot Dr. Gunn. Uh, Mr. Griffin was also convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison. One year later, in 1994, a guy named Paul Hill, who was a well-known anti-abortion protester, shot and killed a Dr. John Bayard Britton who, and a clinic volunteer outside a women's health clinic. This was in July of 1994. Mr. Hill was actually a former minister and was well-known for advocating violence against abortion doctors at his church. Okay, he was then arrested shortly after uh, when he tried to flee the scene and he, too, was convicted of first degree murder. Later on in 1994, the end of 1994 in December, there was two abortion clinics near Boston where John Salvi shot and killed two receptionists and injured five other people. He, too, was arrested and convicted. In January of 1998, a remote control nail bomb exploded outside of an abortion clinic in Burlingham, sorry, Birmingham, Alabama. It instantly killed Robert Sanderson, who was an off-duty police officer working as a security guard there, and badly injured Emily Lyons, who was a nurse. Um, It so happens that the guy who detonated that bomb, Eric Rudolph, was a violent anti-abortion opponent, and he was actually the guy who bombed the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. He was eventually convicted, tried for both the Atlanta Olympic bombing and the abortion clinic bombing, and also convicted and sentenced. In October of 1998, there was another killing right here in New York in the Buffalo area. This is awful. Mr. Knopp hid in the woods behind Dr. Stepien's home and shot him through the window with a high-powered rifle, killing him as he stood in the kitchen with his family in front of his kids. And then, of course, in 2009, George Tiller, who was a frequent target of anti-abortion violence, was killed. This was actually the second time that professor, that Dr. Tiller was killed. Um, and the first time was by a woman whose name was Shelley Shannon, who shot him. He compared Dr. Tiller to Hitler and said she believed that it was justifiable and necessary to prevent him from competing abortions. Um, these events are not particularly surprising based on the violent and extreme anti-abortion rhetoric that comes from the right, including elected officials, and especially, especially the way Republican candidates for president talk about Planned Parenthood. When you hold a position of power, the things you say, they are more than just rhetoric. Whether you mean them that way or not, just like whether King Henry meant what he said that way or not, they have real world consequences and they have real world ramifications. If anyone in the GOP field running for 
candidates running for president or anyone that holds a position of elected office had any bit of conscience, they would think long and they would think hard about the effects that their words have on other people who listen to them. You may, they may not, I'm sorry, have raised their hand in a violent way um, to kill these people at Colorado Springs Planned Parenthood Clinic, but by using their positions of power in society to make these statements that implicitly condone and encourage violence, they, their hands are just as bloody as those who actually committed the act. And on that note, Oh, I have no more. I will go to you, Selena. No, no. Thank you so much for that, Alyssa. And, you know, listening to that, I just wanted to add um, anyone who kills someone in the name of God is just wrong. And whether they're ISIS or a religious extremist or these nuts going to Planned Parenthood clinics and, and killing full adults, it's wrong. God is on the side of righteousness, not on killing. And I just hate when people do that, especially as a Christian. So on that note, we do have to say goodbye for today. But guess what? We'll be back next Sunday live right here on WHCR 90.90.3 FM, The Voice of Harlem. I'm sorry, I'm a little rusty. We weren't here last week. I'm a little rusty, guys. But we'll be back next week. Thanks for hanging out with us.